0: How many of you love the Word of God? I love God's word. I love God's word. And I love being able to preach the Word of God. It is a privilege. It's, it's an honor to, to to be called to preach God's word. And if you don't know this, you have a calling on your life to preach God's Word. Now you may not be called to be a pastor. You may not be called to be a full-time evangelist. You may not be called to be a teacher. You, you may not be called to be an ordained minister or anything like that, but as a saint of God, we are called to declare this message about Jesus. Amen? Are you grateful for what Jesus has done? Amen? Well, we get the privilege now of declaring that, the good news about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? So we, we've been talking a, a series of messages uh, called The Gospel of the Kingdom, and this is going to be the last installment in this series, and today it's my favorite part. We're going to talk about the kingdom within, the kingdom within. What in the world are you talking about, and why do you have root beer in the sanctuary, Pastor Chad? It's because I like root beer. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to drink this. I'm not going to spill it on the carpet. Just have an illustrated sermon here today, All right the kingdom within. Luke chapter 17 is uh, where I want to draw our text from today, Luke 17, and we're going to begin in verse 20 and read through 21. Luke 17, 20. If you're there, say, oh, amen. If you're not yet there, say, oh, me. Okay, we'll wait for the oh, me's. Give you just a second. Luke 17, Luke 17, verse 20. Now, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will we say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of God is within within. Right? Have you ever gone about looking for the kingdom of God? There's a day coming when Jesus Christ is going to come back and establish his kingdom. He's going to rule from his throne in Jerusalem, and the nations of this earth will be the kingdoms of our God. There is a day coming when God's kingdom is fully going to be set up and established on planet Earth. And he is going to rule, and we are going to rule and reign with him. Amen? Because we're called to have dominion. We're a part of a kingdom. And there was, we've talked about this a little bit in this sermon series, there was a great expectation for the the people of Israel that a king was going to come back, a Messiah was going to come back, and they were looking for him to set up a kingdom, to establish a kingdom. They were looking for a political movement. Jesus had something else in mind. This question, there's a little bit of political motivation. When will the kingdom of God come? When are you going to set up your kingdom and kick out all of the tyrants? Right? And the response of Jesus is very, very interesting. He says, to them, they're, they're looking for the kingdom. And he said, the kingdom is not going to come by observation. The kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of God is within. Simple definition for the kingdom of God. Here we go. Any place that you find the presence and the dominion of Jesus Christ, that's the kingdom. Anywhere that we find the presence and the dominion of Jesus Christ, that's where the kingdom of God is at. And since the days of Jesus Christ, since the days of Calvary, he has been establishing his kingdom throughout all of the earth in the hearts of men. It's all about transformed lives. It's about people experiencing the presence of King Jesus and coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. And that's where the kingdom of God is established. The beautiful thing about the gospel, the story about Jesus coming as a man, dying for our sins, the, the beautiful part, a lot of people just stop there at that. And the, the, the resurrection, he rose for our sins, right? Or that, we, we, that we'd be able to have newness of life. And a lot of people stop there but it goes on. He ascended to the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is praying for us. That, that's good news. Amen? And if you read the Bible, it tells us that he has now poured his spirit out. He has poured his spirit out. Right? He led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men is the way that Ephesians talks about that. He's poured his spirit out. And this is really the great purpose of the gospel if you read Romans it talks about the 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 condition of humanity the sinfulness of humanity it talks about it's it's one of the great theological documents about salvation and understanding our salvation but at the core of it is spirit-filled living it was God's purpose in, in from from the foundation of this world that he would put his spirit on the inside of man and until the, this is made very very clear as you study the scripture. Until the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God could not come and dwell in man. That's why all of this had to play out the way that it did. It's a big part of understanding why things have transpired the way that they have in the course of human history. It ultimately comes down to this. God's desire to dwell in his people. That he would take up residence in the heart of man. Okay, We've had some interesting con- conversations here recently. Very friendly conversations with some friends of mine uh, about uh, th- this thing of uh, dualism, or is it, do we have one nature? Do we have two natures living in us? L- let's talk about that for just a little bit. First thing we need to understand: we need to lay this groundwork that man is three parts, right? God is one. God is triune. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And man reflects that, that we are body, soul, spirit. Man is three-part, okay? And that's one facet of looking at this. And, and, and there, there's, there's debate in the Christian world, are, are we, do we have a single nature? Are we dual nature? There's debate on that. And you can look at it, I think, from both perspectives. I don't think either one is necessarily wrong. I think we can go too far one way or the other, right? We, we have to understand, we have an inward man, when we are born again, we are born of the spirit. When we are saved, we are born again. And Jesus says, if you're not born again, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not saved if you haven't been born again. If you haven't had a, an experience of, with Christ that has transformed your life and quickened you and that, that spirit of God birthed on the inside of you, that's the new birth, right? And if we haven't had that experience, then we're not experiencing God's kingdom, will have no part in the kingdom of God without new birth. Something is born on the inside of us at the day of salvation, at the moment of salvation, something sparks. We last Sunday led a young lady uh, here in the altar to the Lord, and you could see something shifted on the inside of her. There was this joy. There was this uh, new outlook on life that came when she was leaving. she, She left this place rejoicing what God had done. It, it's, it's transforming. It changes us. It's, it's, it's powerful. And we all need to experience that. We all need to come and kneel at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and allow him to make us new, to allow him to birth something new of his spirit on the inside of us. And so we, we become, in, in a sense, dualistic, where we have this old nature, yet there's a new nature living on the inside of us. And so we have, and, and, and the, 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 the daily battle is this. Paul talks about, I, I die daily, right? The, the daily battle of this is that we have to reckon ourselves that our old nature is dead, right? As it talks about in Romans chapter 6, that our old man was buried with him when he was buried, and we have been resurrected with him into newness of life, and we have a new nature. Does that mean that that old nature isn't present? Absolutely not. If, if we can't admit that we wrestle with that every single day, we've got an issue, right? So I, I believe this. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. I believe that my spirit is saved, that my soul is being saved, and my body will be saved. I'm going to get a new body. Aren't you happy you're going to get a new body? This old body is not as young as it used to be, right? I'm not as muscular as I used to be. Things are starting to drop and sag and bulge and Places, I got hairs growing in weird spots. I got a, a special sets of clippers for all these things that are going on in this body that didn't used to happen like it happened because this body is perishing. Right? That's another beautiful hope of this glorious gospel, this good news, right? Our souls are saved. Our, 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 sorry, our spirits are saved. Our souls are being saved, and our bodies are going to be saved. That's all wrapped up in this glorious promise of the hope of the gospel. It's good news. The gospel is good news. Amen? What a hope. What a hope. I can identify with Christ. And all of that stuff, sin uh, and all that kind of stuff, Paul talks about it in Romans. And he he said that that, that's still there. But that's the old man, and I have reckoned him to be dead. Right? Right? And there is a new man living on the inside. And Romans talks about this choice to live life to the Spirit. Right? To deny our flesh, to deny that old nature, and to live our lives towards the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? That's our call. That's, that's We talked last week about battle, about conflict, that, 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 that the, the opposition, spiritual opposition, we're not wrestling against people. This is not a, a battle against flesh and blood. There, are, there is a spiritual foe that we have that is coming against us day in and day out trying to pull us down, and it, it, it attacks us in that carnal nature. It it does everything that it can to stir that carnal nature, to get us to live towards that carnal nature, right? Our outward man is perishing rapidly, rapidly, right? It was, I mean, like it was last week. I had a six-pack. It does not take long for this flesh to wrinkle, corrupt, decay, right? I'll, I'll be 50 in less than 18 months. Where? Uh, tell me about it. How did that happen? Like, I, I was just in Bible call. I was just in high school, like yesterday. Do you know the feeling? I, I, I used to hear my grandparents talk about that all the time, about how quick life was. It, it, and and, and when, I, when you're in elementary school, a week seems to drag on, right? Standing here today, it seems like yesterday was Sunday. Life is short. And our old man, our old nature is perishing, right? We are frail, horribly frail without the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 talks about it. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And, and in this we, this conversation about the seen and the unseen, like the outward man, all of that stuff, is visible, and if we're looking at it with carnal eyes, it, it seems like it's right there out in front of us, and it's what dominates us. We, that's why we have to learn to live life towards the Spirit, and we have to li- learn not to walk by sight, the things that we're seeing, but by faith. If we're going to obtain the things of God's kingdom, we have to live life by faith. We have to look at it through the eyes of faith. Not at this, I don't look at this perishing body. I don't look at circumstances. I don't look at the nature that that, that is present in me. I, by faith, receive this new nature that God's given me. By faith, I strive to live towards that new nature. Right? But it is a daily struggle. There's a daily wrestling. Our carnal nature, our human nature, our outward man is very, very frail. But the inner man is mighty. As long as we live life towards the spirit, we will be strong. Got some root beers here, right? Got two root beers here. Right? You take these root beers. You can take this can. Right? I'm putting some force on that. That's a picture of us when we are full of the Spirit of God. When we are full of God's Spirit, we are resilient. It's interesting to me that tied to that passage that we just read about how the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is strong, the next verse has to do with trial, testing, pressure, pressure. As long as we live life to the Spirit, we are strong. We can resist. Now, this guy hasn't been to church for six months, hasn't prayed in a year, Hasn't read his Bible. It's dusty. Has no relationship with any Christian brethren. And just, he looked good on the outside. I mean, we can look good on the outside. If we're not full of God's spirit, when the pressure comes, we will crumble. Amen? Again, this is the beautiful thing about this idea that God's kingdom Is in us. What what is? Everywhere that Jesus goes, that's the kingdom. Period. If Christ is the strong man of our life, it's another uh, parable that, that Jesus told, except the thief, bind the strong man, he can't spoil the goods. Right? If Jesus is not resident, the enemy can come in and steal goods. Right? We need the strong man in our life. Let's look at another passage of scripture. Let's let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. And um, I'm going to go back and kind of talk about a couple of verses. But I want to really begin to read in verse 14. Ephesians 3, verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, I bow my knees. Literally, this is it right here. For this reason, both knees down. How many of you know the power of this position? How many of you know this position when the enemy is raging against you with everything that he's got? And when you hit this position, the strength of God comes. Trial. Adversity. Self-doubt, spiritual lack within. You've come to the end of yourself. But when you drop to your knees, to the Lord Jesus, do you know the strength that comes? I want to encourage you, if, if you're tired of getting knocked over, if you're tired of crumbling under the pressure, if you're tired of faltering and vacillating in your Christian walk, Hit your knees. Hit your knees. He says, for this reason, for this reason, I bow my knees. For what reason? What what exactly is he talking about? Right? If you're gonna understand what he's talking about there, we gotta go look back at what he was saying. And in verse seven and eight, he says that that by God's grace and mighty power I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. It's good news. And we have the privilege of sharing this good news. Amen? We are stewards of the gospel. We are stewards of the grace. We've been given the greatest message on the planet. And we are stewards of it. We've been given the privilege of being communicators of the greatest story ever told. We've been given the privilege of being preachers. All of us. Not just the guy who... By the way, Pastor Bill looks really great today. (laughs) He's in his suit today. He's got a wedding this afternoon. Looks really good. Not just those of us that are up here in suits or cardigans. You're called to preach this glorious message of Christ vacating heaven, being birthed by a woman, living a life. Sinless, dying on a cross for the sins of all mankind, going to hell and defeating death, hell, and the grave, rising triumphant from the grave on the third day over all of his enemies, bringing life to all who would believe, ascending to the right hand of the Father, daily making intercession for us. What a glorious message. Jesus prays for you every day. He's interceding for you. And he's poured his spirit out upon us. What a glorious message. And Paul says, because I've been given the privilege to preach this message, every day I hit my knees. I bow my knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been given this privilege. He goes on and he says, he graciously in verse 8, gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available in Christ. Why are we afraid to tell people about the endless treasures? The glorious treasures that come with knowing Jesus. The splendor of being a child of God. The benefits of our heavenly citizenship. We get to go and tell people about all of these treasures. We've been given this. Privilege, right? And then he says one more thing in verse 13. So please don't lose heart, he says. Because of my trials here, I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Paul said Not only have I been called and been given the privilege of declaring this message, but I'm suffering for that call, I'm suffering for your sake. So I think there's really two things that are motivating Paul. They hit his knees here. Number one, he recognizes the glorious call of God, the great privilege of being someone who gets to communicate the message about Jesus. And number two, the pressure that is going to come as a result of that call. That's why we need Jesus inside. That's why we need the Spirit of God taking up residence in our heart. And so he goes on and he talks about this. and So he says for this reason I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With uh, both knees down. I bow before him. Verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened. To be strengthened with might. Through his spirit in the inner man. Isn't that beautiful? I'm a messenger of this gospel. With that comes pressure. So I'm praying, number one, that I'll hold up, and number two, that you're going to hold up. That you're not going to buckle. That you're not going to cave. But that you, too, would be strengthened with the Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart. I've heard people get mad when people say, you need to invite Jesus into your heart. You do. It's not biblical. That's pretty biblical. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Check this out. That you may be filled. That you may be filled That you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we would ask or think, according, Jesus does exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or, or think, according to the power that works in us the power that is exceeding and abundant, that does far beyond anything that we can expect or understand or comprehend, that power is working in us, right? Greater is he, greater is he who's living in us than he that is in the world. His strength in us is greater than the pressures that are going to come. His strength in us, amen? This is why the Bible says that it's in our weakness. His strength is perfected. If ever we're going to hold up under pressure, it's not going to be because of our greatness. Right? Ephesians, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, I think it is 4, 7, says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency would be of God, and not of us. You are not strong because of yourself. I am not strong because of me. It's not because I've been to the weight room. It's not because I I have a a degree. It's not because uh, I've got money in the bank. It's not because of any relationships that I have. It's not because of my wisdom. It's not because of anything of myself. I hold up only because of what Jesus is working on the inside of me. And the thing, same thing is true about you. Don't get it twisted. Listen, when we step out on our own, without the power of God working in us, crush. Right? We need the spirit of God. We need the power of God working on the inside of us. And this is the, the, the beauty of this gospel message. My iPad's acting up here it's not doing what I want it to do, but we'll keep going. Here's a quote. It's beautiful. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, The spiritual life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It's part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. The point of the gospel is, was that God would put his, be able to put his spirit on the inside of us. I, I spent the week with ten, 10 preachers. Nazarene, Baptist, Christian Church, Pentecostal. You, you automatically get um, ideas about where those men are going to fall when it comes to the Holy Spirit. One thing that struck me about all of these ten men, their recognition for the dependency that they have on the indwelling spirit of God. Every one of them. I think it's called pneumology, the study of the Holy Spirit. They, they, they uh, probably all have a different pneumology of how the Holy Spirit works and operates in their lives. A Baptist one, a Christian one, a Pentecostal, they're, they're, they're different views. But every one of them recognizes their desperate need to be filled with the Spirit of God. As Christians, we desperately need the Spirit of God. I believe we need to desire the Holy Spirit. We need to desire the spiritual gifts. It says that we should seek those gifts. We should desire them. Right? Desire the best gifts. The Bible says if, if a man de- desires the office of a, of a bishop or an overseer or a pastor, it's a good thing. We should, desire, we should be desirous of the things of the Spirit of God. Right? We should hunger for them. We should long for them every single day. Romans 8 and 9 says this, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God Dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised of of him who raised dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit. Who dwells in you. You see that? Every one of us have. Corrupting flesh. Every one of us have a mortal body. But if we are alive in Christ. This body is dead. Walking dead men. That's why Paul says Galatians. He says that I live yet not I but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I have been crucified with Christ. He's saying that old man is dead. Does he resurrect from time to time? You've been working all day and your wife uh, greets you at the door with a scornful look, not a kiss and a long list what rises on the inside of you? The lady at Taco Bell gets your order wrong. What rises on the inside of you? That, that's the old nature working in us. Anytime that you're tempted, anytime that you lust after something, anytime you have the desire that springs up on the inside of you as a Christian to steal something, what is that? It's the old nature. And we just have to simply remember, hey, I am dead. That old guy, one of the pastors told the story that when he was in high school, he worked at a golf, golf club and he talked about how he began to steal golf balls and then it turned to golf clubs and then one day he was in the owner's office and it, the safe was open and it was a little bit of money. Then he involved a friend and it was a whole lot of money and it just about ruined his life. But guess what? That man is dead. He was born again after that. He had a conversion experience that changed and transformed. And the old nature that's in him that used to do that kind of stuff is no longer the nature that controls him. He's a man controlled by the spirit of God. That's the power of the kingdom of God. It's that Christ's spirit comes and lives in us and it mortifies these dead bodies and and quickens us to live a life to the spirit of God. That's the beauty of this gospel that we preach. We need to stay full. I remember the message that David Cook preached here about three years ago. He talked about the fact that we are leaky pots. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're clay pots. Earthworks. Not only are we clay pots, we're crack pots, David Cook said. Did you look at your neighbor and tell them you're a crack pot? <laughs> we leak. How many of you have ever come into church on a Sunday morning and gotten so full and so charged, and then uh, Monday morning you wake up and you're like, uh. Why? How rapidly does it leak out? Pretty quick. Let's be honest. David Cook talked about that passage in Ephesians where it says, do not be drunk with wine whereas in dissemination, but be filled or drunk with the Spirit. That that word there, to be filled with the Spirit, it's an ongoing action. We need to continually be being filled. How does that happen? It always comes back to these exact same things. So let's go back to the very simple basics. Worship. How many of you felt the Holy Spirit filling you up? supercharged, Like you had the gas pump in the gas tank. You were, your, your tank was being filled during worship. Worship charges the inner man. Worship strengthens the inner man. Worship. I want to encourage you. Worship. Change the music that you're listening to. And instead of listening to Death Jam or whatever you're listening to on the way to work, listen to something that glorifies Jesus and just begin to lift your voice. It's For me, the only place I can sing loud is, is in my car when nobody's around. Man, I, I pretend like I am uh, Jeremy Ellis. Let her rip. And it does something for my spirit. David David Cook, I remember hearing him talking about, sometimes we got to blow the pipes out. Our pipes get filled with crud. You need the chimney sweeper to come. Clean your pipes, right? And worship will do that. Worship will change our perspectives. It will pick us up out of the dumps. It will, those obstacles that seem so big, the challenges that we're facing when we're meditating on them, as soon as we begin to get God in focus and exalt and magnify him, suddenly those things begin to shrink and fall out of sight, and we forgot that they were even there. I mean, how many of you have ever woke up like sweating and just thinking about what you're going to have faced that day or that week, Right? I've learned that when that happens, I have to shift to worship. I have to open the scriptures. I have to set my focus on Jesus because it will consume me and crush me. If I don't set my eyes on Jesus, worship, pray, prayer. One of my favorite things to do is when nobody's here. During the weekday, I'll come. Nobody's here. Julie's not here. I got the whole building to myself. I love to come in here just walk around and pray. And I love to get down and just right down here on the altar just hit my knees. It does something for us when we pray. Prayer for us as saints is like a, a, a phone booth for Superman. We put our Holy Ghost cape on and we are transformed in the presence of God. Pray, pray, pray in the spirit. The heart of Romans is Romans chapter 8 where it talks about this life in the spirit which was God's purpose in the gospel to get his spirit on the inside of us. That he could dwell in us. And that we could be like him. And in that passage there's this beautiful thing that says that when we don't know what we ought to pray for ourselves we can pray with groanings and utterances things that we do not understand and the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Jude says, Jude 20, it's only one chapter, So Jude, verse 20, he says, build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. If you haven't been informed, there is a language that comes as a believer. It is a prayer language. Tongues. You may have heard somebody sitting next to you doing it today. It's not weird. It's a little odd to us. I like what Scotty says, though, all the time. I hear him say this. He says, it's not odd, it's God. There's a Holy Spirit that will pray through us with groanings, utterances that we can't comprehend with human language, but he intercedes through us. Pray, and sometimes we just got to pray in the Spirit. You ever been in that place where there were just not words? You're so broken, so hurt, so heavy. Whatever it is, you just gotta groan. Utter. It's powerful. It will it will change your life. Third, uh, fourth thing, right? Yeah, fourth thing, fellowship. Fellowship. Friend of mine, uh, Philip Green. He was our, one of our pastors in Texas. And he said one day he went out after school with a friend and uh, they they, they had a bottle of alcohol and some cigarettes. They drank and smoked. And when he got home, he said, my mom didn't ask what I had done. He said she knew what I had done. She could smell it. Her question was, who have you been with? Who you're spending time with? has a dramatic impact on the inner man. When I hang out with Rachel Hayes, I become really spiritual and powerful in God most of the time. She's human too. Y'all know that, right? She is human. Right? I sobered up. July of 1997. Last time I got drunk, I was a freshman in Bible college, October of 1997. Two friends. Right? They influenced me back to the bar. Let's go to the Cibolo Creek Country Club. The Crickets, Texas Swing Band, they're playing tonight. So I can't say the last time I got drunk was in July of 1997. It was in October. Of nineteen ninety-seven. Because who we hang out with has a dramatic impact. Hanging out with those pastors this week, whew, my cup is overflowing. The importance of fellowship. It's important to come to church. It's important to be with people that will hug you and encourage you and edify you and build you up and declare the word of God into every situation and circumstance in your own life. We need fellowship. It builds this inner man. And the last thing I want to say is the word. E.W. Kenyon said this. He said, the mind slowly, but surely, as it feeds on the word, meditates in the word, practices and lives the word, comes into the fellowship of the recreated spirit. As we read, God's word is spirit. Your words are spirit and life. As we read the word of God, our inner man is engaged. It's charged. It's filled. Amen? How's your your devotion time? How's your time in the word? How is your prayer time? How's your walk with Jesus? With Christ in our life, we can be strong. Trials, tests, difficulties, we can be strong. Without Him, crushed. Christians, we can look like this, right? We can get to the place where we are so empty that one disappointment, one setback, one exchange, we crumble. We need to stay full. We need to stay full. Let's, let's stand together. I wanna, I wanna pray, I wanna spend some time praying here this morning, but I'm to start with this question. Is there anybody in this room and we, we know, listen, if you don't know that Christ is in your heart, that he is the Lord of your life, if you're not sure about that, you need to come. Is there any, anybody in this room that would say, Pastor Chad, I don't know the Lord. I am not experiencing the kingdom of God. I don't have a walk with Jesus. Is there anybody in this room would raise your hand and say, today I want to I start that. I want to walk with the Lord. I want Christ to come and live in my heart. I want to experience that new birth experience. Anybody in the room? Amen. Listen, don't, don't leave without knowing Jesus. If that if That's you. You don't know the Lord. Don't leave without knowing him. We'll be here to pray. As long as we're on this campus today, if you want prayer, we'll pray with you. Don't leave here not knowing Jesus. Is there anybody that say, you know, Pastor Chad, I want to get filled up. Here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to come down to this altar. I want us, or maybe just get out into the aisle. Or maybe you would just turn in your seats. But I, I would like for us just to all take a minute and go both knees down and humble ourselves before the Lord and go out of here and make a determination. Make a determination. Make a commitment this week, every day. Start your your day both knees down. It'll transform your life. Start your day both knees down. Start your day in the word every single day. It will change every interaction, every circumstance. The situations and circumstances will still be the same, but our responses, our strength. Amen? I'm going to invite you to come down to the altar. Come out into the aisle. I'm going to ask my wife just to sing a song that we can worship to. And let's just spend time allowing the Holy Spirit to cover us, to fill us, to shift things in our hearts, to shift perspectives to wash and to cleanse, to renew, to strengthen us today.